Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, there's so many memories as Philip was sharing that uh, came back to came back to my mind, and it's always special coming back to to uh, um, to Pretoria. It's my, my first congregation, and um, I don't know how the Lord did it, but He managed to use me. <laughs> um, I'm so thankful uh, for the Lord. It's, it's it's often like your kids as well, especially. The first one, you're like, I don't know how, how they survived my, my parenting, but somehow or another they managed to, to do it. And um, I think it's like with this, this congregation as well, just so thankful. I was driving uh, into Pretoria. I'm so reminded of the Lord's grace here. I'm so reminded of the incredible moments we had in the Lord's presence so many times, just being able to, to worship God and, and just being hungry and being, being desperate for the Lord and and uh, just to see that continuing, I remember also services in Afrikaans and in, and in English, uh, just incredible times, spring days that we had worship, worship times in the, in the Lord's presence, the, the what's it, the LC, what's it called? And uh, just, I also remember incredible breakfast for 10 rand something, you had Colburn, the golf course, <laughs> you can go and get a burger and a Coke and a bucket of golf balls and for 10 rand something. That's where I think I hurt my back the first time, um, because it looked easy playing golf, just swinging, but it's a little bit more difficult than what it looks like. And just seeing the familiar faces here as well, just guys who've been here in this congregation and praying and standing on the wall and standing in the gap, it's been, it's been such an incredible journey. And then seeing new faces that I don't know, it's, it's incredible. And um, yeah, what a blessing to, to be here, what a blessing to be able to, to be part of this church family. And I, I, was, I was standing there and I was thinking, man... You know, um, what an honor that God gives us to be with His people. Uh, what an honor God gives us to be able to come together like this and not having to have to send each other, I don't know, WhatsApp probably wouldn't work in a country where you're persecuted, but secret messages. You know, where we're going to meet tonight, like some Christians, they have to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to everyone, and they'll be in the same, in the same place. And here we are, we can worship God freely in this beautiful venue. first time I'm here, praise God. It's amazing to see how the Lord is taking this church also from glory to glory, from the getting to know English Center to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, to the school, Pretoria East, and now this building. What a beautiful ceiling. I walked in here earlier this afternoon. I'm like, just wow. It's like your head just wants to go, wants to go up, uh, which I think is it's so inspirational. And um, uh, speaking of looking up, let's turn to Isaiah 6 and... and um, so this is my last, sort of my last, my last preach for this weekend, and um, uh, yeah, my, my voice is telling me it's going to be my last preach, <laughs> because man, there was a lot of shouting and screaming this weekend, just being in God's, in God's presence, all like, yeah, God, I want to give you more, I want this more inside of me, I want to give you everything, my voice doesn't always want to, want to cooperate, it's like, it can't go louder, where's the... The volume button, I wanted to go, wanted to go louder because he's worthy, amen, he's worthy of everything in, inside of us. And, and just to be able to be, to be here and to, to see what God is doing and to hear what God is doing, you know, it's been a, it's been a big blessing to, to 
to know that this church is in safe hands with, with the elders and, and Yaku and, and Philip and their spouses and their families, and to know that you guys are, are in safe hands, but at the same time that they are also in safe hands, that they are amongst people who pray for them and support them. And one of the big blessings about this church has always been the, the volunteerism, uh, the fact that you have people who love Jesus, and one of the ways they express that love for Jesus is serving in, in this house. So um, guys, continue. That's a beautiful legacy that the Lord has, has given you. And so um, we've already received so much this, this weekend. I know that some of you guys um, missed out on the weekend. We're going to make the sessions available soon so you can, you can catch up. But, you know, I was thinking about why God would grant us the privilege of coming together like this over a weekend and give us so much. He's, he's, he's released so much over us this weekend. And, you know, there's this, this, um, this principle and what Jesus shared as well, too, much has been given, much will be required. And I think sometimes what happens is that in an environment where we are used to receiving a lot, I mean, if you just look at cell phones at one stage, a new cell phone would come out every two years and would be anticipation and excitement. Now, six months down the line, the thing is outdated. Something new comes out. We're so used to getting new stuff all the time, all the time in my my plea to all of us would be that, that we will take some time out over the next little while and really camp out around what has God said to us this weekend. Because, I mean, it's, it has to be significant. In God, if God gets people together from different parts of the world and He gets speakers to come together and, 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 and He speaks to us. Forget about the speakers. God speaks to us. I mean, there has to be significant reason behind that, why God would speak to us. Why would the King of the universe speak to us. And we know that God sows seed, and because Jesus, as we heard, this, this vine dresser, this, he, he understands that when he sows, there's a, there's a return on investment that God is looking for. There's return on investment. And that, and that return, uh, we all know, is that intimacy with Jesus, that relationship with him that spills over and flows over into, into, into works and things that we do for him. And I want to encourage, I don't know how many of you guys got those little cards with the seeds in them. Go and plant those seeds. Go, go and plant them intentionally. If you didn't get a card, Philip, do we still have some of those somewhere? Not anymore. Are there still some? some? I'm not sure. But if you, if you missed out, speak to the guys. Right? But there's, there's something about intentionality. If you'd be able to, to take those seeds and go and plant them somewhere and say, God, I'm planting this in faith. And I'm, I'm trusting you that that the word that you gave me as I'm planting these seeds, that word will grow in my heart. That word will, will bring forth fruit and will bring forth change in my life. And, um, and I, this evening, I want to I go back to Isaiah 6. That's where we started off on Friday, and that's why I believe we, we can finish off again. And um, like any of us know, one chapter in the Bible can keep you busy for a whole year. If you were just to get into it, if you start looking at one verse at a time, one word at a time, it's going to keep you busy for a long time. And there's so much in that chapter. And so I want to read Isaiah 6 for us again just as, as a way of reminder, but also for something fresh that I believe the Lord is wanting to, to invest. By the way, I am going to need some sort of indication as to how I'm doing with regards to time. All right, otherwise I take no responsibility for how long I'm keeping you here. So uh, somebody just needs to flash some cards at me or throw me with something, um, but give me an indication as to, as to how much time I, I have left. All right, so Isaiah 6 uh, from verse 1. I'm just going to read through this whole chapter for us, and then we're going to backtrack. 
So in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And I was walking into this venue. I'm like, man, how high was that? I don't know how many of you guys have been in those cathedrals in Europe. It's high ceilings. And how high was it where Isaiah saw, saw the Lord? I saw him high and lifted up in the train of his robe filled the temple. Above this throne stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a, a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged or your sins atoned for. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. And then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man. The land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men from far away. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land, but a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak tree whose stump remains when it is cut down, so the holy seed shall be its stump. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that you have done so much already this weekend. We thank you for how you have spoken prophetically and how you've spoken through your written word, God. Thank you for our hearts. Lord, we pray that our hearts will continue to be soft soil unto you, and that this evening, Lord, that your, the searchlight of your holy word will shine upon our hearts. We pray that you will expose what you want to expose. We pray that you will challenge what you want to challenge. We pray that you will indeed prune what you need to prune, and we pray that you will come and transform what you need to transform. We submit to you, Lord, as the only one who has the words of life, and we pray and ask that you will have your way with us tonight as I yield myself to you again, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. And when I think about what the Lord has done this week and in my spirit, and, and we, we heard this again even through the word that Tian brought, that there's a shift that is coming. These last 30 years have been amazing. They've been incredible to celebrate God's faithfulness, to look back and see what God has done. But we know there's so much more that the Lord has in store for us. There's so much more that God has planned for us. Even this evening coming here, I just had such a sense that the Lord is saying, He is reserved and, 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 and set aside for some of you something very special for tonight. There's something which God has gift-wrapped for you, packaged for you, that has your name on it. One of the most enjoyable moments for me of traveling, um, being away from home, 
can be very taxing and, and very often it's not that lacquer. But one of the things that I do look forward to is opening up my, my suitcase or my, my, uh, my bag that I have and discovering in there little notes that my kids slid in there. Little, just little love notes, little notes of affirmation saying, Dad, we love you. Dad, we, we miss you. Dad, pray for me for this. Or just little notes that says that they were thinking of me. Just a little note. And I believe that, that God has got notes for each one of us. He's got something that He has reserved for you that irrespective of what you have received already this weekend, God has got something very special in store for you. And I believe that there's a, a shift for all of us coming, for us as a church family, but also for us individuals, where we will be shifted and translated out of the, out of the kingdom of the fear of man. In other words, the, the, the obsession with what is man thinking and what will man think of this and how will man react into the kingdom of the holy fear and reverence of God. Because ultimately those two things are in competition with each other. Are we submitting to the fear of God or are we submitting to the fear of man? And so I believe that, that God is beginning to, to translate us into a space where we will devote ourselves, everything that we do, the motivations of our hearts, the actions of our hands and our feet, devoted to the glory of God's name, devoted to His glory. But I believe that as we, as we want to do that, as we think about that, if we start on Friday evening, we think about if we want to live as a holy people, a people who are vulnerable, but a people who are repentant before the throne of God in all of His holy love and, and in loving obedience, responding to His great mercy and to His great atonement. If we want to live as a holy people, in other words, where, where the world is going to be able to look at us and see something different in us that they do not have. If we are going to not just sing about holiness, but live that holiness, then ultimately there is going to be a confrontation between the holiness of God and something inside of us or something around of us, there is going to be a confrontation which ultimately will probably lead to it costing us something. Living as a holy people, if we truly don't just want to theorize about it and talk about it and sing about it, but live it, is going to cost me and you and our churches something. Amen? Living as, as sons and, and daughters of the, of the Most High God. Living as sons and daughters of the, of the Most High God, not as orphans. Living as sons and daughters of God who know that we are favored by God, who know that God has called us to live next to the, the gates of heaven as, as Jacob did and not be so obsessed and so aware of living next to the gates of hell, but that we are next to the gates of heaven and there's stuff that God wants to pour into us and through us even though the, the jar is a little bit cracked. There's something, there's kingdom life, kingdom dynamic, kingdom power that God wants to pour through us is going to confront some things in our lives. Living as sons and daughters of God, highly favored by God, kingdom ambassadors, will cost me and will cost you something. Living as, as living sacrifices, living sacrifices that, that, that live to worship God, not just in a church setting, but also outside of a formal church setting like this, offering up sacrifices to God that are pleasing unto Him, acceptable unto Him. If we want to live worship as a lifestyle and not worship just as a program and not worship just as a CD or, well, we don't really do CDs anymore, do we? As a Spotify or as, a, as whatever you use and not just have worship limited to that, but as a lifestyle, 
where, where what's going on inside of us, the devotion we feel inside of us, manifesting in how we talk, manifesting in how we work, if we want to live as living sacrifices, it is going to cost us something. If we want to live as, as disciple makers of, of all nations, different ethnic groups, if, if we want to, to live not just within a space of saying, okay, we know that we are multi racial, but we truly want to grow into a space where we're multicultural in our expression of God's love, and we want to look at each other, not just through the eyes of tradition and culture and experience, but through the eyes of God, and see each other through His eyes, really see each other, it is going to cost me, and it's going to cost you something. Living as a, as a loving, vulnerable, transparent community who believe that the brokenness in this world in terms of mental illness can be healed through the power of God's holiness and God's love and God's spirit, really, really believing that God can heal those who are struggling and, and that healing can take place instantaneously or that healing can take place through a journey, really being that loving community where those who are struggling with suicidal thoughts and struggling with eating disorders and who are self-harming can feel not judged but welcome. It's going to cost me, it's going to cost you something to be that community. It's probably going to, to challenge us in, in certain parts and areas of our lives. It's, it's one of the, the things that's probably going to challenge the most is our comfort. It's going to cost us our comfort have, to have something that happened like this weekend be part of our lives and become a lifestyle is going to challenge my comfort zone and your comfort zone. Because if we have this confrontation with God, then something, something is going to have to shift. If God speaks to us and God releases His voice over us, then we can simply go back to the way we have we have done things in the past. Think about each other the way that we have in the past. Think about the nations the way that we have. Think about God's holiness the way that we have. Get back to our routines the way that we have. And, and that's always the challenge of an amazing weekend, isn't it? It's the, the aftermath, afterwards. You've got to go back to work. You've got to back to your church services. You've got to go back home. You've, you've, you now have to decide what I have received. What will I do? with what God has given me. It's going to continue to challenge and confront our religious and our cultural traditions. It's going to challenge and confront our, our need for financial security. It's going to confront and challenge some of us, our, our obsession with our private space and our independence. It's going to challenge and confront some of us in the area of us wanting to be in control and have everything figured out before we say yes to God. It's going to challenge some of us with regards to our schedules. How much of my schedule really is available to God? How much of our church schedule in a typical church service is really available to God? Those seeds that we have received, if they are truly going to be transformational, are going to challenge us, maybe even upset us, disrupt us, and ultimately transform us. I believe one of the big things that what the Lord has spoken to us about that's challenging us is this area of the fear of man. And, and how, how it, I see it manifesting is the fear of man is simply that thing that causes us to get our affirmation, our validation, and our sense of 
how good we feel about ourselves based upon what other people are thinking and saying about us. Um, there's a song, Applause, it's the name of the song. It's a Lady Gaga song. Now, you might be wondering, Heinrich, you're pastor, how do you know that song? I wonder the same thing very often. But I was introduced to that song by my kids. We were watching uh, Idols, American Idols, and we were watching this program, and a beautiful young girl came up. She was probably 17 years or so, and she started singing the song and just sang one part of the song on the piano, and they were all raving about her. Uh, um, who's the Idols? In, um, ach, not the Idols, the Judges, American Idol. Uh, Katy Perry and Simon, no, no, that's AGT. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Idols. Um, Luke Bryan is one of them. And then, um, anyway, Katy Perry is the other one. And it was the guy who had the afro dancing on the ceiling many years ago. Lionel Richie, yes, yes, all right. So that's what I watch in my home with my, my girls. Together we'll say yes to the dress. That's what they, they forced me to watch. Um, and so they were all raving about this girl. Just like Katy Perry as, oh, this, the next best thing has come along. And she's prettier and she's skinnier. And, oh, you know, she was a raving. They were all like, you, you've got star quality. You're going to win this thing. And they gave her like a golden pass that enabled her to skip a few like a few uh, rounds, and just go straight through because she was that talented. But the words of the song said that I'm living for the applause. It's literally what the words of the song said. It's a massive hit by Lady Gaga saying in one phrase, says that your applause of your love is like an ivy in my veins. He said, think about that. I am living for the applause. Put your hands up, raise your hands up, put them together, something like that. And then what, what it means is that I've got a, a hit now that it's got a million views, but there's somebody else bringing something out that's got three million views, and so I've got to do a better one next time so I can get to 50 million views, and then 50 million isn't good enough. It's got to be 59, and just so it just goes on and on and on and on. And my heart was fearing for this girl, and I thought, man, what are they going to do to this innocent spirit? Because she had this glow and this radiance about her. And then a while later, uh, we found out that she has withdrawn. Her parents had withdrawn her out of idols, taken her out. And I was like, maybe there's still hope for this world. <laughs> maybe there's somebody somewhere that, that's recognizing that if we continue down this road, they're going to get hold of her, and they're going to transform her into a commodity, into something that needs to, that if you want to live for the applause and in this industry, want to make it, you will need to eventually sell your soul. Become something else. You know, and that's in the music industry, but how, how often does that translate into us just wanting to please our boss? Just wanting to know that the boss knows that you're a hard worker, you're the guy that you're going to go the extra mile, and then the extra mile becomes the fifth mile, and the tenth mile, and the hundredth mile, and you begin to say yes to your boss so much that eventually you end up saying no to your wife and your kids because you live for your boss's applause. Or, or if you're stuck within a family environment where, where you're not connected to your father as the ultimate one who affirms you, and then you succumb to the manipulation and the control from your parents or your in-laws that dictate to you where you will spend your holidays and what names you will give your kids and, and all of those things, and you, and you have to make a decision, am I going to please Father God or am I going to please my earthly parents? Whose applause 
Are you living for? And when we're in a space like this and, and there's an invitation from God's holiness and God's holiness grabs hold of our hearts and there's something inside of you that wants to explode and jump up and down and you've got to think, am I living for the applause of God or the applause, the opinions of my friends around me? Whose applause am I living for? A couple of months ago, probably a month or two ago, I saw this girl and she brought out another song. It says that I live only for you. Lord, I live to please you. Her idol's audition had got a, gotten a couple of million views. There was like 450,000 or so that liked this song. And I'm thinking her talent, her trajectory, her, her, her gift, they could have taken her places so much faster. So much faster. On the one hand, had she succumbed and just gone with this other route, a couple of million views just like that, and now you've got a couple of hundred thousand, which is already amazing. I don't have a couple of hundred thousand views on anything I do, but it seems so small in comparison to if you go the world's way. But she has decided that she's going to live for Jesus, and she's going to please Jesus, and she's put it out there, and I'm like, The glory of God. There's still somewhere, there's a family out there that's been coaching this girl through what does it mean to live for the glory of God. It's going to cost you contracts. It's going to cost you a lot of things in the short term. But if you want to finish well, then you need to know who you're living for. You need to know how you want to finish. And I believe that God is, is just speaking to us as a church family very, very, very fundamentally when he speaks about his holiness. It speaks about who do we want to please ultimately in our lives. Who do we want to please? Who has the final say over my self-esteem? Who has the final say over whether I say yes or no to God's calling? And not just as to what I do, but also as to how I do it. Who determines that? The prophet Elijah is for me a good case study for us to look at. And so just last night on the plane, I was just meditating on this chapter again. And the Lord just highlighted to me a couple of steps, sort of a couple of phases that all of us go through when we think about the call of God upon our lives. And, um, and for all of us, but maybe it's important just to say this, Isaiah 6 and the calling that, that, that God has for Elijah that manifests in Elijah's life there. You remember if you go to Elijah 1, it says, Elijah prophesied during the days of Uzziah, uh, Ahaz, uh, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. All right? So he prophesied during the reign of those four different kings. So he was prophesying during the reign of Uzziah already. All right? So when it says that in the day that, or in the year that Uzziah died, that wasn't when Isaiah's call started. Are you, are you with me? Okay, that chapter 6 isn't when Isaiah's called. He was already busy prophesying during the days of Uzziah. But that, that chapter 6 where he says, Here I am, send me, is in actual fact a renewal of his call. It's an actual fact. It's another dimension that steps into his call. And for many of us this weekend, we have said yes to God for the first time. God, I'm going to be involved in church planting. For others of us, it was a confirmation of something you've said yes to already. And just like in a relationship with your wife, if you're married and you stand there at the altar that first day, you say, I do, I will be faithful to you, I will love you through the good times and the bad times. That's such an amazing moment in our lives. But when you celebrate your anniversaries and it's five years down the line, ten years down the line, 
20 years down the line, you look back and you say, man, when I said that, I had very little clue as to what that really meant. And to be able to say that still and say, I would do this again at the drop of a hat is so much more special. Because now you're not just saying it because the music was lovely. You're not just saying it because she looked incredible walking down the aisle. You're not just saying it because the hormones and all of those wonderful things that God has given us. You're now saying it because there's a, there's a devotion. There is something that has knitted our hearts together. And you would do this again, whatever the cost. And I believe, show for church family, that the Lord has put before us an opportunity to say yes to Him again. Say yes to him again, not as, not as the uninitiated, not as, as, as those who think that when I say yes, everything will just be hunky-dory, but who's going through this experience with God. And I've opened up the wrong PowerPoint here on my phone, so just hang in one minute. Still up to now, it's the, it's the, right, the right stuff, but that one's going to lead me down a different route. So there are a couple of, of phases. If you can go to that slide that says renewing the call. The first, the first phase, whether it's a first time that you experience a call of God or whether it is the second time or the third time or the fourth time, but we have to understand that there is a drawing that takes place. And the fact that you guys are here tonight is testament to the fact that something, more accurately said, someone drew you to this place. If you, if you look at it, Isaiah's life, his calling, that incredible moment in the presence of God came not because Isaiah decided in his own heart necessarily to, to, to just move, to draw near to God. There were circumstances pushing him into God's direction. He was in a moment of uncertainty. He was in a moment of, God, what is going to happen to our nation now that there's a new king? God, what's going to happen? Will this new phase be better than the previous one? God, I need to be on my knees. and I need to be praying for Jotham, Josiah, uh, Uzziah's son. God, what's going to happen? So there was uncertainty in his heart, and that uncertainty pushed him into God's presence. You have to understand and relax in the fact that God is the one who's the originator of your call. Even your yes didn't start with you. It started with Him. He has called you, and He's wooing you, and calling you still. And sometimes He uses, or very often actually, He uses circumstances to call you. Circumstances to push you a little bit deeper into Him. And what we often do is we give the devil a Torah time. We rebuke that guy. We bind him. Hopefully you don't lose him. You bind him. You like smack him. You just like go for it against the devil. We need to discern if he's there. We need to get him out. But very often God is irrespective of where the devil is and what the devil is trying to do there. In every challenging moment, even our own sin, even our own desperation, other people's sin and stuff, there's an invitation for you and for me to come closer to God. So the first phase, the first step in a receiving and stewarding a call from God is the drawing. Remember what John said, Jesus said in John, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you. The second one is that they're drawing, there's, there's that, that moment that we have to make the choice when God draws us, how will I respond? How will I respond? Will I respond like we saw on Friday evening, like Uzziah did? And just get angry? Or will I, will I draw near? And Isaiah, he, he drew near. There was this desperate response saying, man, I'm, I'm, I'm amongst the people of unclean lips. 
We've got sacrifices going on outside this temple. I know these people. I know them. I know how they abuse the poor. I know they don't pay them well. I know that they're neglecting the widows. I know they've got high places up on the mountains that they sacrifice to. I know the prostitution, all of those things. These very same guys that are now offering bulls and sheep to the Lord. I know their hearts. I know how corrupt they are. But I'm pressing in. I'm pressing in because I am desperate for God. I'm desperate for Him. And that's my heart's cry for all of us saints, is that we will live within that space, irrespective of the political or the economical climate around us. Our response would be desperation for more of Him. More of Him. Um, Philip has mentioned that it would be interesting if we were to calculate those hours that we've spent communicating on WhatsApp and Zoom, like just literally like tons of hours we've spent and sometimes I'm like, God, my head, Lord Jesus, just feels like it's going to explode with all of his messages and, and things happening. And then in that, there's an invitation from behind Heinrich, draw close. Draw closer to me. Draw closer to me. And allow even the painful stuff you're going through as a church family, allow that to draw you closer to me. Because I, I can allow those things to just overwhelm me and, and I can go through the motions or I can lean into him for his grace. Where are you? in your response to God's drawing? Where are you in response to God's drawing? Because the beautiful thing is only you can respond to God's drawing in your life. I can't do that. Only you can. Where are you in your response to God's drawing? Your, your knocking, the knocking of Jesus on the door of your heart. Where are you with regards? Then, then we see, as, as we continue through the chapter, that there's this divine revelation as Isaiah is in the Lord's presence. There comes the revelation of his holiness, and the awe of that holiness becomes like all-consuming. It's all that, that he sees, and, 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 and in that, there's the confrontation that God's holiness confronts Isaiah with his own sinfulness. This is confrontation, and there will always be a confrontation. I think if we're not really engaging with God, and if we just leave the same way that we've come in, then we have to say, God, is there something in my heart that has grown hard? Is there something in my heart? Because sometimes the truth confrontation would be, Heinrich, man, get up out of your knees. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Stop feeling ashamed. Stop feeling defeated. Stop feeling hopeless. Stop, stop just living in the past. You can do this. Get up, man. Let's go. For, let's run. Sometimes the confrontation is you're too fast. Slow down. You're going to crash and burn. But there's always a confrontation between heaven's perspective and ours. And we've got to decide how we're going to respond to that. And as Isaiah showed us, that he responded through heartfelt repentance. He was just like, Lord, yes, I know, I understand. I am a man with unclean lips. And he responds from his heart. He responds from his heart. Just a heartfelt. In the old days, what the guys used to do was they used to tear their clothes. It's an outward sign of inward repentance. They would, they would go through it just like, Lord, I want, to, I want to show you something of what's happening in my heart. And I think at times in a Western culture, we run the risk of internalizing everything. And what I've learned was somewhere down the line, I need to show God something physical about my repentance. I need to speak to someone and say, man, the Lord has shown me this. The other day I phoned a friend of mine and said, man, I've, I've, I've had this meeting with this very influential leader. And I can post this on Facebook now, but I'm not sure whether I should do this. I, I'm not sure about my motives as to how I want to do this. Can you just pray with me about this? God is challenging me on my motives. I had to take what he was challenging me about in my heart and I had to do something about it. 
Because that's what repentance ultimately is. It flows out into action. And so out of that, out of that repentance, there comes the forgiveness. There comes the coal that touches his mouth. There comes the mercy. There comes the cross of Jesus. There comes like more mercy, more grace. Not only, Elijah, do you not die? Not only are you not consumed with fire from heaven, you are actually empowered to be my messenger. It's amazing what this grace does. It's mercy and grace working together. That's why Hebrews says that we can have boldness to run into God's presence to receive what? To receive mercy and grace. Mercy is where you, where you don't get what you deserve. In other words, you should be toast. You should just be like a nut koliki op You should just be, there should be nothing left of you in God's presence, right? Absolutely incinerated, but you don't get that. You don't get the wrath. You don't get the judgment because that wrath and that judgment was poured out upon Jesus. So you do not die. That's mercy. The grace comes that not only do you not die, you are empowered to be an ambassador for heaven. Not only do you not die, you get given a new robe, a ring, sandals on your feet. Your head gets anointed with new oil. Not only do you not die, you get given all of heaven's resources. You walk out of there richer than what you walked in there. That's grace. That is grace. And, and Elijah responds out of, out of, that, out of that, that place where he experiences forgiveness. And the call then comes to him. The call comes whom will go for us. Whom shall we send and who will go for us? And obviously that's a beautiful picture of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of heaven say we need someone to go for us. And then Elijah responds like many of you responded to the call for church planting yesterday. And many of you guys will still respond in the weeks to come, whether it's physical church planting or planting a, 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 a missional business or planting an NGO that will live for the glory of God. You have a calling upon your life. And that, that, that call that comes leads to Elijah saying, and I, I read this in different translations, and all the translations have the same words in there. Here I am, send me. Or here am I, send me. That's some of the variations. Here I am, or here am I. It's like the same thing. Where they do differ is where they put the exclamation mark. This is interesting. Some of them say, here I am. Send me. Some translations say, here I am. Send me. I think it boils down to the same thing. Now, now remember what's going on here. There's the angel that's shouting, holy, holy, holy. And the whole place is shaking and then, and then Elijah hears heaven saying, who will go for us? Who shall we send? Who will go for us? And he has just received this abundance of mercy, and he can't help himself. There's nobody there that needs to motivate him to respond. There's nobody there that needs to show a documentary of the hungry kids in Ethiopia. There's no one there that needs to show the statistics on, on crime or genocide or femicide in our country. There's nothing is needed there. There's no even great music needed that need to play or come to the altar and respond. None of those things. There's just, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. I want to do that. A pastor's dream. You're not even finished preaching yet and people just like, at the front. And here comes God's response. He says, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go. And God is like, all right. The message I'm giving you, Elijah, will lead to a lot of people hardening their hearts. <laughs> it's going to lead to cities being destroyed, Elijah. 
It's going to lead to people being taken to exile, Elijah. It's going to lead to people not liking your message. It's going to lead to you being persecuted for this message. It's going to lead to people not understanding. I'm like, whoa, how's that for a motivating, like, thank you for signing up. (laughs) Things are going to get tough. Thank you for coming forward. Things are going to go tougher. Thank you for coming forward. And Elijah enters into the phase where he has to count the cost. He has to count the cost. And then his response is, God, how long? I like that honesty. It's like, I can see him there. Okay. (laughs) Exile, cities destroyed, people's hearts growing hard. I sort of, in my mind, Lord, I saw mass altar calls. I saw stretch your tent pegs, uh, increase your space, vineyards, your sons and daughters will come from afar. I saw all of that stuff, Lord, but cities being destroyed until there's no one left. And that's what I'm saying yes to to bring that message. And I love the honesty. I love the reality of the call. And we say, God, how long? And then out of that response that, that comes to, so what is he doing? He's counting the cost. That's what I want to encourage you to do. Because this next phase, after you've said yes to God, there's going to come a sense of realism. There's going to come a sense of like, was that the music, the lovely food, that girl's perfume? What was it that made me say yes to church planting or to whatever it was? What was it? Was it just because we were in this, in this big room and everybody was responding? And what was it? There's an element where we have to count the cost. You have to. The amazing thing is that the same grace that calls you into forgiveness is the same grace that empowers you. You can look at the cost and you can say, because I'm sure Elijah would have said this, there's no way I can do this. There's no way. And so he he says, God, how long? And then the Lord goes on, the Lord answers him and and basically says to him, I'm I'm paraphrasing, well, Elijah, until there's nothing left. (laughs) It's gonna, the people are going to go into exile, then a tenth of the people are going to remain, and then that tenth is also going to be burned to a crisp until there's just a burned-down tree remaining. But in that burned-down stump, there's a holy seed. There's a remnant. There's something there that in spite of the way that it looks like will accomplish my purposes. And so Elijah has to then make the choice, is he going to go into ministry for the way that it looks, or is he going to go into ministry and translate ministry into obedience, because that's all that ministry is, isn't it? It's obedience, whether it's pulpit ministry or whether it's ministry to your kids, ministry to the school where you're teaching at, ministry to your fellow graphic designers. It's simply obedience to God. Are you going to base your obedience to God and your willingness to God on the response of people, like Scripture says, the glory of people, the affirmation of people, whether they like what you're saying or not, or are you going to respond based upon the fact that God is in charge of the results? If you can have the picture up of that, that tree, a little tree growing out of, it says, Elijah, you're going to need to do what I've called you to do until only that's left. And in Elijah's case, that took a generation, a couple of hundred years, and it's still a part of that prophecy being fulfilled, where God is is calling His people, Israel, back to Him. 
and Elijah had to make a peace with the fact, I'm not going to live for the results. I'm going to live for obedience to God. There's something in us that God is preparing our hearts for saints as this generation who's alive here for now as part of the Shofar Church family to say to God, God, I commit in my heart to be obedient to you, to do things your way. Even my going, even my here I am, I will go. It's not only going to be the fact that I say yes, it's also that I'm saying yes to your way of doing things. Because here what sometimes what happens, we say yes to God's call, and then we want to do God's call our way. And I believe the Lord is ushering us into a season where we're going to be yielded to Him from the yes all the way through to the Jesus, I'm coming home. And I know that not only have I done the right thing, but I've done the right thing in the right spirit, submitted and yielded to you. Let's, let's stand. I want to pray. Pray for us. There's a sobering verse in James 3, verse 13 to 18. It says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Show, 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 even in your obedience, he says, I want you to be gentle in that obedience. The gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. It says, as you're responding to God, make sure that there's no bitterness, there's no jealousy there, there's no selfish ambition there. Because this wisdom that is based upon jealousy and selfish ambition, this wisdom is not that which comes down from heaven, but it is earthly, it's natural, it's actually demonic, he says. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Just in our church family lately, the Lord has sent this fire of purification into our hearts. For many of us in leadership, the Lord says, I'm not just wanting to talk to you about what you are doing. I'm wanting to talk to you about why you're doing it and how you're doing it. And I believe it's a conversation that God is going to have with some of us in this room as well. You've said yes. There's a lot of uncertainty, many steps down the road. What's that going to look like? But the things that you can work on now already is, Lord, what's in my heart? I don't want to carry bitterness with me into obedience for you. I don't want to, I don't want to try and disprove people. You know, in my life, those of you guys who know me, you know the story. I've Many, many years ago, as a young kid, I finally got my BMX bike that I'd so longed for. And I cycled with so much excitement and just crossed the N1 there in Beaufort West without really looking. A guy nearly knocked me off my, my bike. He got such a fright. He drove up to me, rolled down his window, and prophesied over my future out of his anger and his shock. Prophesied destruction. Prophesied just a lot of stuff over me and my ancestors and my descendants and everyone, everyone got it. And I just, I just cycled on, you know, sort of just put it behind me. But there were, those memories would often come flooding back when there were moments when I had to decide whether I was going to do something or not. That man's voice would come back. You know what it 
It, it didn't cause me to become like passive. It actually caused me to work hard at school and at varsity and even in, into my ministry, early ministry years. But as I, as the Lord got hold of me, eventually I realized I was actually trying to prove that guy wrong. I'm going to make a success. And even my saying yes to the Lord was driven a little bit by, man, if only that guy can see me now. I've got a better BMX. <laughs> it's faster. <laughs> only you can see me now and frankly that just wasn't honoring to God because it led me into spaces in the deep parts of my heart that nobody else sees where the stuff that I was thinking wasn't glorifying the Lord and the Lord had to put his finger on that challenge me bring me to the end of myself and it was actually as we were transitioning from Pretoria to Johannesburg the Lord took me in the face and just really really challenged me on that Heinrich, you've got to make some shifts. Let's close our eyes. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that I know that in this room there are so many people who have said yes to you. So many. In different ways and in different times of their lives, they've said yes to your calling upon their lives. And I thank you for the Elijahs in this room, Lord. I thank you for the encounters we have had this weekend with your holiness. The encounters we have had even just a couple of minutes ago in the service with the saints that you are in this room and so many of our hearts have responded Lord and, and I thank you for the conversations the divine conversations that will flow out of this weekend where, where you will share your heart with us your heart for the downtrodden your heart for the lost your, your heart for the, the marginalized and the broken for the prisoners for the widows for the orphans for those suffering from severe mental and physical illness. Lord, you're going to continue to pull us into partnership with you. Thank you for what you're doing in our church family. But God, we want to say yes to you, not just for what you are doing in terms of sending us out, but God, for the surgery that you are wanting to do on our hearts. So the motives, the motivations the agendas of our hearts can be healed so that they don't trip us up later on. So come and purify, Lord. Continue to burn, burn, burn. Burn, Lord, burn. Expose every hidden rotten thing in my heart, Lord Jesus. Do the same for my brothers and sisters. Burn away everything. May we trust the seed of holiness. I feel for some of us, you feel like God is busy burning away things in your life and you're not sure what's going to remain. You're not sure if anything is going to remain that is going to be useful to God. I want you to be encouraged. You can trust the vine dresser. You can trust the divine gardener. And sometimes the divine gardener, you guys should know it well up here, he sends a fire just to burn everything clean so that new life can come. But it does it not with the intention to disqualify or the intention to destroy, but with the intention to restore back to His purpose. So just there we are. Don't you want to speak to God? And just ask Him to continue what He started in your life. Bring before Him the seed that He has given you. 
and ask Him to do whatever He needs to do to make sure that your heart can be that good soil. Thank you for what you're doing in our church family, Father. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for where you're taking us. Thank you for the sense of awe and holiness. I thank you you're raising up in this church a generation of people who will not be in competition with each other, who will trust your ways to come and burn, Holy Spirit, come and burn. As we pour out all our attention, all our focus, our devotion on you. Thank you, God. I believe for some of us this, this evening, we, 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 we just need to continue to get fit in our humility, our surrender to the Lord. And one of the best ways we can do that is just to come to the altar and have a conversation, just you and God. It's just, it's just a step, just a sign of stepping out of my life, out of what preoccupies me and I'm stepping into God's place. You can kneel there just where you are. You can kneel at the front. I always, I always say that this is, this is just training ground for us. If we respond here, it's so much easier to respond somewhere else. So much easier to respond in the presence of God. If you want to stand and just raise your hands, if you want to lie down, if you want to find a place a little bit by yourself and just sit down. And, but whatever you do, talk to God. Have a conversation with Him about the seed He's given you. And have a conversation with Him about the heart, your heart. Not your family's heart that you come all out of, not the boss's heart where you work, not your fellow students' hearts, your heart. Say, God, do what you need to do to purify. And if the Lord shows you something, confess it, bring it to Him. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We are yours, God. We are yours. Some of you just need to get your journal out, get a piece of paper out. Because God will want to speak to you something significant that you need to remember. Some of you are going to write down names of people you need to go and make right with. Uncles you need to forgive. Grandfathers you need to forgive. High school teachers, you need to forgive. It's a beautiful window of grace the Lord is giving us. Have our hearts purified. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Sure. I feel the Lord is saying of this church that He's pleased with you. He's pleased with your hearts of purity. I feel God is saying He's going to give you many more buildings, many more houses, because He searched your heart and He's found that there's, there's no judgment in your heart towards the rest of the body feel something 
comes from your leadership, comes from Philip. A heart to honor the rest of the bride of Christ. The Lord says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you for covering the nakedness of my bride. Not exposing her. Vineyards you haven't planted, houses you haven't built. But first, have me have my way. Let me have my way. So, can you just say this with me? Father God, just pray this with me. Father God, here's my heart. Have your way. Burn, prune, cut away. Add whatever you need to. I'm the clay in the hands of the potter. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just feel the Holy Spirit is in this room. The gentle breeze. Gentle breeze. It's hardness of heart that is healing now. Because you see in your heart is removing the bitterness of someone here. You've been struggling with that bitterness for a long time. I feel the Lord is saying, He's just removing it so gently right now. He's delivering you right now from that spirit of bitterness. It just came through your maternal bloodline. It's like the ability to hold a grudge for a long time. The Lord is just delivering you from that right now. You don't have to fear passing it down unto your children. Thank you, fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. someone here the Lord is saying you are the seed don't be afraid to die 
the other side is resurrection life. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The one who has overcome death and the grave is waiting for you on the other side. You're going to need to go and ask someone for forgiveness and it feels like you're going to die doing it. Don't be afraid. It's going with you. Don't worry about their response. It's not about their response. It's just about your obedience. Just go. Thank you, Father. Someone here, and someone I have respect for your pain. And I feel the Lord is saying, Your little ones are safe with him. Your little ones are safe with him. listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.